0: Mission sequence start, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways you can do so. Email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition. Again, email ignition. At sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us at sfdiocese with the hashtag Ignition. I'm happy to have once again in studio with me today, Monsignor Charles Megan. Monsignor, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Bergwald. Thank you. So uh, we are. Uh, if you're listening to this the first day that it airs, and or that it's available by podcast, um, today is. Um, September twenty third, Monday, September twenty third, twenty nineteen, as as this is airing on Real Presence Radio uh, and published um, on on the internet for podcast consum consumption, um, which happens to be a couple things. First of all, get um, the, the least. We're going to go in ascending importance, Monsignor. Um, it is my birthday. I won't <laughs> tell how old I am. It's also the birth- birthday of Jack Real, so happy birthday, Jack. Oh. Um, and it is, most importantly, what we're going to be talking we're not going to be talking about myself, nor Jack. We're going to be talking about um, Padre Pio, Saint Padre Pio, whose feast day is today. Um, a-, a modern saint, Italian saint. Many people know about him, and we're going to talk about him a-, a little bit today and some of the-, the fascinating aspects of his life. But before we do that, why don't we introduce ourselves to our listeners? Mr. Megan, in case, case some hasn't heard of you before, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes. I was ordained to the priesthood in 1989, so 30 years ago. Um, I am here in the diocese as the director of the Office of the Marian Apostolate, uh, which is a chance for uh, devotion and veneration of Mary to be emphasized in a particular way, thanks to the establishment of the office by Bishop Swain in 2009. I also work with Canon Law, the church's law as well as consecrated life, uh, those communities uh, which vow poverty, chastity, and obedience. I finally am one of the missionaries of mercy, uh, whom the Holy Father, Pope Francis, established in 2016 during the great jubilee of mercy. I'm from Aberdeen, from Sacred Heart Parish. I was uh, with my dear parents, my father deceased, my mother, who's 91, thank God, is doing well, and second of six, so... It's great to be here.
0: Great. Thank you for being here, Monsignor. Uh, before I introduce myself, I, I I can't believe I forgot family, my niece, Sierra. Uh, it's her birthday today, too. So happy birthday, <laughs> Sierra. So <laughs> anyway, uh, who am I? I'm Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls, but in that role since September of 2002. Uh, neither my wife nor myself are originally from Ohio, but we've been here um, since since we moved here for this position that I have with the diocese, and we love Sioux Falls. Uh, we've been married since 1999, so 20 plus years now. And all five of our children are born and raised in South Dakota. So uh, we love the diocese. We love the state. Happy to be here.
1: Well, and let me have, be able to wish you a happy uh, birthday, you, Monsignor. Dr. Bergwell and you. Sierra and, and Jack, Jack. Yep. and happy feast day, Padre
0: Pio. Happy feast day, Padre Pio. And he's, he's the one, he's the reason that you're on. Uh, really, Because for me, Monsignor, you know, I, these are the little things for most of my, well, To this point in my life, most of my life, there wasn't uh, uh, a feet a a saints feast on my birthday, which is okay. There's a lot of days that don't have saints in the universal calendar. We talked about that in last week's episode, when we looked at the four Marian feasts, but in the early two thousands, was it 2002? Yes. Padre Pio was canonized and his date, the date of his feast day was my birthday. So I was so excited because finally (laughs) I had a saint whose feast day was on my birthday. Um, and, and really um, an extraordinary, well, all of the saints are extraordinary, yes. but maybe because he's so modern and we have, we have literally photographs of him, I'm, I'm guessing maybe even some uh, television or camera uh, footage of him. Uh, he's particularly well known, but there are, I think, some particularly ordinary, extraordinary um, f- aspects of his life. So I wanted to have you on just to um, tell, well, frankly, myself, me but also, our listeners, our listeners, a little bit more about this great modern Italian saint.
1: Well, Dr. Bergwald, there's so much to say about Padre Pio. And as you say, he is part of the great uh, mystery of Christ and the communion of saints. He does, I think, receive a lot of attention throughout the world. I, as you say, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he is truly... Part of our time and mm-hmm. part of our, uh, our you know our era. He really mm-hmm. is having died in 1968, so right. 51 years ago. Um, Padre Pio was a man from Italy. Uh, his name was Francesco Forgione. Was his name in the world Francesco? So his baptism name was Francis. Francis. And uh, so, so
0: for an Italian, that means almost certainly named after St. Francis of Assisi. Yes,
1: great devotion to St. Francis of Assisi, as so many of the Italians to this day yeah. do, and people throughout the world. Um, this young Francis uh, came from a very devout family, and uh, from a very early age, it was seen that he had special gifts and also great love for the Lord, and the Lord great love for him. As he went on, it was determined, and he would share with his parents, he really felt the call to the priesthood and to the religious life. Mm. He joined the Franciscans. Now, many of our listeners will know that there are various schools or families in the Franciscan uh, order. Right. And he would be part of what we call the Capuchins. So the Franciscan Capuchins, or if you will, the Capuchins uh, Franciscans, um, and uh, Padre Pio, as a young man, was very much called to this. So he was... Well, are, they, is it, are they the OFMs then, or is they have a... Did, they, ha, they are OFM and then CAP. C, CAP, for, for right. Capuchin. Right. Yep. So sometimes you'll hear people talk about, in short, the CAPs. Yep. Okay. The okay. CAPs are the Capuchins. Okay. Okay. Well, Padre Pio uh, was, uh, had a certain cross of poor health. mm And uh, so it was a struggle in terms of the seminary for animation. His father actually came to the United States to work on behalf of the family, to send money home, and that was not unusual. And even, of course, today, uh, perhaps not so much sending money home to Italy, but certainly sending money home to many of the Latin American countries. Mm. We certainly have that uh, present today. Well, he became a priest, and at a certain time, he was given the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, in his hands and his feet. And this was not something that Padre Pio desired. Mm-hmm. In fact, he begged the Lord to take it from him. Mm-hmm. And this was a suffering for him for many years. So so just,
0: uh, um, okay, I want to back up a little bit. Name change. I want to come back to the stigmata because I have questions about that. But the name change, how did he become Pio? Yes. Well. And what does that mean?
1: yes. Uh, many of our listeners will know that it has been a common practice for someone who joins a religious order to receive a new name. The whole idea of this newness in Christ. Now, currently, in some places, religious orders uh, will have the candidates keep their baptismal, Mm -hmm. baptismal names, and this we've seen especially since the Second Vatican Council but it has been very common for some places and some orders to have this name change. In Italian, the word "pio" means holy, and actually, we think of the male name "pious." Right. So, uh, some of the older gentlemen we hear not, haven't really found many young boys who have been named Pius. But some of the older gentlemen, you know, that was a name that was common in Catholic circles. Father Pius Martian. Father Pius Martian, who was a longtime priest of our diocese. May you rest in peace. And, of course, many of our listeners will remember Pope Pius XII. Sure. Who was pope from 1939 to 1958. And the other Piuses throughout history, uh, popes named uh, after Pius. So the word Pio in Italian means holy. And this, the male would be uh, Pius. Pius, okay. And so we often call uh, Father Pius, in this case, uh, Padre Pio. Padre Pio, okay,
0: great. Right. So he, he enters the Capuchins, he's ordained as a priest, which he could have just remained as a friar, a brother, right? Yes, But he was right. ordained as a priest. How, so? And then he received the stigmata. So how many years, roughly, roughly had he been a, a priest for decades or just for a couple of years, or do we know?
1: Uh, it was a short, very short time. Okay. Um, I believe that he received the stigmata around, I'd have to look for sure, but I think around maybe 1918. Uh, so it was a short time. He was still very much a young man. Okay. So the
0: stigmata, in case anybody's listening hasn't, hasn't heard of the stigmata, these are literally wounds. Um, that typically are in the hands um, of the person who receives them, and to be clear, they they are not self inflicted. No, they're 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 supernatural. They're they're miraculous wounds in the hands. Um, Of course, reminding us of the wounds that our Lord would have received when he was crucified. Could could you just talk a little bit more about just the nature? Because Padre Pio was not the first to receive the stigmata. St. Francis of Assisi also received the stigmata. Many, many canonized saints have received the stigmata throughout the history of the church. Could you just briefly talk a little bit more about the stigmata?
1: Yes. The stigmata, Uh, as you said, really would be the wounds. It's a kind of representation and it's a kind of participation in the wounds of Christ. And oftentimes, if it's reported that someone has st- the stigmata, there will be a church investigation. Right. Uh, for Padre Pio, there were many investigations, and there were some who did not think that he was on the level. There were some who thought that he had made this up. Uh, but through church investigations, it was clear that no, Padre Pio did not desire this, he did not want it, he did nothing to bring it about. Um, but I, w- I think you would say that the stigmata, although rare, um, it's another op- opportunity for some to someone to be more conformed closely to Christ by way of these physical wounds. Uh, some of the saints even had what was called the invisible crown of thorns, mm. Uh, the crown of thorns around their head, that they also experienced that. Um, Another example, Dr. Bergwald, would be many of our listeners perhaps at least have heard of St. Gemma Galgani, Mm. who was a young Italian woman uh, who wanted to be a passionate sister who also had the stigmata. Mm. Um, And generally, it's in the hands, as you say, and oftentimes in the feet as well. And uh, for Padre Pio, this, I think you would say, was a great cross for him and a great suffering throughout his adult life. Because they are painful. They're painful. They're painful. Yes. And so this
0: is why you sometimes see uh, photographs, black and white, but also color, of Pio saying
1: mass wearing gloves. Yes. Exactly. Because the wounds bled. The wounds would bleed at times and so he would have a glove or a mitten or some kind of covering of this wound. Right. Um, And yes, you mentioned earlier wondering about whether we have Videos of Padre Pio. There are a number of things online, mm. especially of Padre Pio offering mass. And sometimes a meeting with people. So okay. some of our folks might be able okay. to find some of that. Great,
0: great. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm here today with Monsignor Charles Mangan, and we're talking about a modern um, canonized Italian saint, Padre Pio, uh, who was canonized, who died rather, in 1968 and was canonized in 2002. Two. two. Yes. Okay. So we, we've been focusing sort of his earthly life, his early life, rather. Um, and we're just um, spending some time talking about the stigmata, the wounds of Christ that he had. What else in in the f- 14 minutes or so that we have left, Monsignor, in this episode would be important to know about Padre Pio?
1: Padre Pio had great devotion to Christ, great devotion to Mary, <clears throat> and had great love for the church and was totally obedient to his superiors. I think that this idea of obedience is one that... Is not always given certain respect today. Mm. Um, the idea that you know each of us is numero uno, each of us is number one. We should plot our life the way we want. We should do this and plan and be aggressive and so on. And yes, while there is a certain taking ownership of our lives, which is important, we also have to remember, as Padre Pio did, that life is a gift and that God is the one who determines what we're supposed to do. Mm. So uh, Padre Pio was very obedient to his superiors, especially when he was being called into question as to the validity of his stigmata. Mm. Um, He also was involved in the famous House of uh, Relief for Those Who Suffer, which today is one of the most modern hospitals in Italy. Um, He was accused of financial wrongdoing and so on. Uh, it just you know you kind of look back on that and and shake your head. But um, he went through those sufferings. He accepted the church's determinations, and he was humble to the end. Mm. Let's also not forget he had great love for the mass, and uh, there are many people today still living who attended his masses and who commented on the fervor and the devotion with which he offered the mass. Um, I was told that um, the Masses had to begin as early as 5 in the morning just because there were so many people who wanted to come. Uh, And uh, obviously the monastery there at San Giovanni Rotondo, where he lived in Italy, uh, there were a lot of various things going on, so the Mass had to be very early, uh, but yet all kinds of people would come early for his Mm. Masses. Um, And so a person who was in love of God and also cared for the people of God. He um, exercised a very large um, uh, apostolate, if you will, of writing letters. Mm. Uh, he received all kinds of letters, and he wrote many letters to those whom he called his spiritual children. So he gave spiritual direction to many people. And, of course, um, it would be a odd Program about Padre Pio if we didn't mention his ministry in the confessional. Right. Uh, He would spend at times 16 hours a day hearing confessions. Mm. Uh, And there were all kinds of people, from the famous and the wealthy to the poor and the humble, who would go to him and want their sins forgiven. I'll just give this little anecdote. Um, There was a soldier from England who had a chance during World War II to go to Padre Pio for confession. And later the soldier recounted the story. Uh, He went to Padre Pio and he confessed his sins and Padre Pio said after uh, this man finished, he said, and what else? (laughs) And uh, the man said, oh, Father, that's it. Those are my sins. And Padre Pio said again to him, and what else? And the man said, Father, I can't think of anything else. Padre Pio then described uh, the sins that this man evidently Mm. had forgotten. And the man was embarrassed, uh, as uh, any of us would be, and Padre Pio wasn't doing this for embarrassment. Right. It was to help this man bring forth what needed to be brought forth in the confessional so that he could be forgiven and start again. Um, there are so many confessional stories with Padre Pio, we would go on for right, hours, right. but um some great and moving and poignant stories
0: so the, the with the anecdote, isn't that what, what some other saints have had in history? It's known as the ability to read souls. is Is that correct?
1: Yes, there is what is called the ability to read souls, or some will say to read hearts, the idea that uh, God allows some confessors to know what is going on in the soul or the heart of a person, even without being told. Right. Does this happen often? I wouldn't think so. Right. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it's something that God does allow. Interestingly, our readers listeners would like to know, at the same time Padre Pio was hearing confessions, there was a very holy priest in Croatia, also a Franciscan, mm. by the name of Father Leopold Mandish, And uh, he is now canonized Saint, Mm. and it was said that he also had the ability to read hearts. And I remember a couple years ago, both the body of Padre Pio from San Giovanni Rotondo and the body of uh, St. Leopold, whom I think is buried in um, Padua in Italy, were brought to St. Peter's Basilica, mm. and the bodies of these two great Franciscans were there at the time so people could venerate wow. and honor their bodies. Well, wow.
0: uh, a couple things with the the, the confession um, remarks. First of all, it should be clear here, when when we go to confession, in case we do forget a sin, if, if, if not out of withholding, but truly, if we forget a sin, they are forgiven.
1: They correct. are. yeah. And what the church tells us is, if we forget a mortal sin something that's you know we was grave and we did with sufficient <clears throat> reflection and full consent of the will then the next time we go to confession we just mention it and right. say father at my last confession i forgot such and such and it happened how many ever times right right but you're right when we go to confession and we forget something it's forgiven right
0: but there is a a, a benefit for so so if that's the case why would why would uh, padre pio Um, help people to remember, because there is a value in in naming, even if I forget them, that's why we do the examination of conscience in part, is so we can name them um, because there is a value in being specific about our sins.
1: Yes, and we're recognizing God's mercy and the fact that he can forgive us and does forgive us. And also there's a sense of knowing ourselves better. So if I come to, to grips with my own sinfulness, I can better take the precautions the next time to avoid those sins.
0: My other question, Monsignor, um, with with saints like Padre Pio, and I think of also of um, St. Jean-Marie Vianney, who also uh, the French uh, priest who spent hours a day also in the confessional at times. What is it about um, men like these, priests like these, why people would flock to them for, to, for confession? Because I can go to any priest... And be forgiven of my sins. Um, and yet there are, what, what, what is it about someone like Padre Pio that, that, that drew people to him, especially for the sacrament of reconciliation?
1: Really, I think we'd have to say that their uh, reputation <clears throat> for holiness preceded them. Mm-hmm. So whether it was St. John Vianney or Padre Pio, the people of God got to know that these two men were very close to God and that they were offering the service that the church offers in the confessional. With this in mind, uh, it was, I suppose, it seemed so natural almost to approach these men for confession Mm. um, because of their great holiness. And also they trusted these priests, that they would give them good advice, good counsel, uh, and that they would uh, help them on the way to holiness. It's been said that at times Padre Pio was was rather stern, Mm. Um, but it wasn't a kind of anger or hatefulness. It was, you know, almost kind of saying like a dad or a mother would say to us, look, child, this is serious, Mm. you know, serious business, and we have to put our attention on the Lord. Uh, I think that that's, you know, a priest in the confessional obviously always wants to be kind and gentle, but there is a certain seriousness that is also required.
0: Okay. Great. So we've got about five minutes to go in this episode. What else uh, would be worth our listeners knowing about this great St.
1: Padre Pio? There is a collection of some of his writings, some of his letters, that is available um, just by going online and just doing a little search of the writings of Padre Pio. Many have found those to be extremely helpful um, in terms of some of his remarks to his spiritual children. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, I would say that... um, Many people have found uh, in certain parts of the United States the Padre Pio prayer groups to be very useful, to be able to come together with other people, to honor Padre Pio, and to pray. Um, Padre Pio had great devotion to Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. He had great devotion to our Blessed Mother. Um, Padre Pio is, for us, really an example of what it means to draw close to the Lord. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Beautiful. Um, Another thing that I was thinking of, and I I, I wanted to look up to confirm, wasn't there um, uh, a Polish priest uh, who met Padre Pio in the 1940s, who wasn't well-known at the time, but became more well-known later?
1: Yes. And this Polish priest years later talked about this in a homily, and it happened to be the homily At the canonization mass of Padre Pio. Okay. This Polish priest we know (laughs) as St. John Paul II. Amen. And uh, the story is is that as a young Polish priest, he was able to visit San Giovanni Rotondo Mm. in Italy and went and actually made his confession to Padre Pio. Mm. Um, So it's a remarkable thing uh, that these two great men, two great saints met in the silence And the solitude of the confessional. Right,
0: right. Yeah. So they met each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, Just in the few minutes we have left, any other thoughts, Monsignor, on Padre Pio?
1: Really, Dr. Bergwald, I would say, um, I think we keep going back to this notion of being grateful for whatever God is calling us to. Uh, Padre Pio was a tremendous man, but he would have done anything. For what the whatever the Lord asked of him, mm-hmm. he asked him to suffer a lot. He asked him to be in the public eye a lot. And I, you know, there are some parallels here with Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. Saint Teresa of Calcutta. Um, neither one would have desired fame or reputation, and yet both were asked to succumb to that and to surrender to mm-hmm. that, and both were asked to carry heavy crosses. But let's look in both cases, Padre Pio and St. Teresa of Calcutta, and of course, St. Teresa of Calcutta, her feast day is also this month in September. Mm -hmm. Um, We see two people with incredible love for the blessed sacrament, Christ in the Holy Eucharist, Mm. incredible love for Mary, our mother, and incredible love and devotion to the sacrament of penance and desire to confess, and in the case of Padre Pio, to offer absolution to the people of God. Okay. And would you say...
0: Is there any particular reason why we might seek out the intercession of Padre Pio? I don't, to be honest, I don't know what he's the patron saint of, what the particular things are, that people, why people would invoke his intercession. But to the degree that you know, what would be the things that would cause us to seek out his, among the thousands, tens of thousands of canonized saints, why might we seek his, his intercession in particular?
1: I think because we, given our 20th century that we've just closed uh, almost 20 years ago, uh, he was one of us, mm-hmm. and and uh, we lived in his time, he lived in our time, uh, he lived in our modern culture. Uh, I think with that in mind, uh, we could also add the idea that he displayed mercy, which is so greatly needed in our world. He understand human suffering. He understood uh, the difficulties that we face in our modern world. That's why I think people will reach out to him. I
0: mean, now I just in the minute we have to go two more more extraordinary things that I want to briefly mention to confirm them because I think I've heard that they're the case. Um, among the the gifts that he was given, we talked about the Sigmata, didn't he also have the ability to buy locate Have you heard that before? Yes.
1: Yes he was able to buy locate. There is a uh, incredible stories about that. We'll probably have to have another yes. uh, time together ignition to talk about that. But yes, uh he was he was seen in other places? He did never left Italy, and he was seen in other places. So he was in two places simultaneously. Yes, uh, and relatedly, know this one that he had the ability to even levitate. I have not heard that, but I would not be a bit surprised because levitation, being raised off the ground, is something that certain saints have so had. Okay,
0: and I heard, especially in, in the context of. So actually, his his. I think it's his... Uh, a great nephew of his or something actually the son of one of of Padre Pio's um, spiritual directees who's a priest um, relayed the story years ago I heard actually here in Sioux Falls um, that that during World War II Allied bombers saw Padre Pio outside their plane windows.
1: You're right and I've heard that story I never thought of that in terms of levitation but you're right that story has been around.
0: So thank you Monsignor for
1: sharing uh, your thoughts
0: on Padre Pio with us. You're welcome Dr. Bergwald. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet at us at sfdiocese, use hashtag Ignition. If you have any questions about today's episode with Monsignor Mangan, about Padre Pio, or if you've got ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.